last episode, I mentioned that I wanted to go around the charity shops again because they've recently opened and I actually did it this week and I got free books and yeah, iconic times. We love that for me. Basically, I went because um, I got my A-level results. If you don't know, if you're not from the UK, A-levels are the exams you take when you're 18 in your last year of school. Though, plot twist, this year, because of coronavirus, we didn't do the exams. So our grades were calculated by um, an algorithm, which took into account what you've gotten previously in exams, what your schools predicted that you would get, and then it essentially put all of this through a we-hate-poor-people algorithm. So private schools did really, really well. They had a huge increase in the top grades, and everyone else <laughs> got a bit screwed over. At my school, it was more likely that you would have your grades, like your individual grades, be downgraded than have them stay the same. So people generally do free A-levels because in the UK you specialise in the last two years of school. So, for example, I just do English literature, history and politics. And of the free at my school, on average, people got downgraded in two of their subjects. <laughs> and a total of free individual A-level results were actually increased at my school and literally over 200, I think like 250 were downgraded. It was wild. I got off quite lucky. I only had one of mine downgraded and it was only by one grade and I'm appealing it. So yeah, I've, I'm just rambling now, but that is the background. I just wanted to talk about that because it's an absolute wreck. This podcast is really, really unstructured, so like, it's whatever. But to celebrate my results, I was going to go to a Italian restaurant with my family, but before that, I went out with my dad and my sister to a pub near my house, and on the way back, we went to some charity shops. There's a lot of them in around my house are shut at the moment but three of them were open and they all had a pretty decent selection in there which I stan so yeah I got free books I literally had not been around the charity shops in oh my god a year ridiculous I should have gone before that I don't have an excuse for that I'm just lazy <laughs> but yeah so I did that and um, I would have picked up a really crap erotica book and trust me there were many to choose from but I was with my family so they would have been like what the fuck are you doing and I'm not sure they would have believed me when I said it's for a podcast I'm not just getting this because I read erotica <laughs> they'd be like yeah yeah that's a likely excuse of course <laughs> so I didn't get that but I did get what did I get I got Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood which I haven't started yet I also got H is for Hawk, which I started yesterday. I love the cover. It's just this, it's a drawing of a hawk on a branch, but it's just, it sounds really generic, but the style of it's really, really good. I wish I could explain it better, but I have no clue how to describe art, because I'm awful at art. But yeah, it's a non-fiction book. 
it won I think quite a few like little awards and stuff it's about um, the author her dad dies and she decides to buy a breed of hawk that's really really big and notoriously difficult to tame and it follows her with this hawk and trying to train it and it's sort of like as she tames the hawk she becomes untethered herself and becomes more wild and in the instincts of sort of somebody who isn't you know constantly out in public and talking to people and being civilized and stuff she kind of just gets more in touch with the root of herself and it's really really good she also talks a lot about the author I think T.H. White who wrote a book on the same breed of hawk and he had got one and trained one and yeah so it sort of mirrors her like 80 years later getting a hawk too and training it but she does it a lot better T.H. White was really horrible to his hawk but she talks about his life and it's really really interesting it encapsulates a lot of stuff I'm only about 25% of the way through so I can't talk that much about it but I would not be surprised if I finished it by next episode it's really good so far I I love it the prose is beautiful honestly if you like reading about nature just read it please it's great the descriptions of the weather and like it kind of it gives you like a palpable feeling of like I think if you live in England and you know how it is in like winter in rural places you you read it and you're like I've been there you know it's just so familiar to the climate and the the environment she's so good at conveying setting I just yeah it's great and it's it's not difficult to read at all I worried because some non-fiction is quite bulky and dense but this reads beautifully it's just it's great I, I'm already singing its praises I'm actually a quarter of the way through but I'll talk more about that next episode I also bought The Red Queen by Philippa Gregory I think I talked about Philippa Gregory last episode The Red Queen is about the mother of the founder of the Tudor dynasty Henry VII and it's just Philippa Gregory books are so historically inaccurate and I love I forgot about this but at the end of every book she um adds a bibliography to give the impression that this is all historically accurate but I think the bibliography just covers like the bare but like stuff that she gets from the books in the bibliography are very clearly just the dates of birth of people, the people who married each other, where they live, when they live there, when the battles were. Like, she gets the dates of battles right, at least. But it's just... <laughs> it's great. It's brilliant. Because you're under the impression, like, if you didn't know... Because I only really know that it's all inaccurate because I studied the Tudors at A level I studied them at school but other people wouldn't know that it's not that accurate so they just believe it <laughs> which is brilliant they'd be like oh 
did, yeah, Margaret Beaufort, that's the main character, they're like, oh, Margaret Beaufort killed the prince in the tower? And not Richard III, like historians believe? Yeah, sure, that that makes sense. I mean, it's in this book and it has a bibliography, so I assume it's fact. I assume that's assumed that that's the truth. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> I love it, though. Philip Gregor books are so much fun. Just read them. Don't take them seriously at all. Like, you can really, really tell who she likes and who she dislikes. And she hates Margaret Beaufort. And she, yeah, she really, really put that across very very well she just presents her as this evil hypocritical religious fantasist who like constantly throughout the book Margaret Beaufort is like god these rivals of mine all they care about is power and they don't care about the 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 path that god has laid out for us and it's like she's literally doing the exact same thing she's like god why do they want their son to be king they're so power hungry and then she's like my life is dedicated to making my son king but it's okay because um god because i have saints knees because i pray so often so yeah i'm actually god's on my side even though a ton of stuff's happened that would imply that god is not on my side because we keep doing shit but you know, God's on my side because I say so and I like Joan of Arc. I don't even know if Margaret Beaufort even idolised Joan of Arc. She probably didn't. She really probably didn't. But that's like central to her character that she loves Joan of Arc and views herself as sort of the second Joan of Arc. But I really don't remember learning anything about Margaret Beaufort thinking that about Joan of Arc. So that's you know, keeping with the book, absolutely no historical basis, love it, thank you Philippa, <laughs> great contribution, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun though, they're not even that well written, <laughs> the characters will say one thing one minute, and then say something completely the opposite the next, like they'll be like, I love my husband, then two pages later they're like, no, I'm so unhappy here, I hate him, that uh, he's awful, yeah, it's just, it's... <laughs> I can't even put it to words how funny they are. Please read The Red Queen, though. It's one of the good ones, because a lot of the time, Philippa Gregory will just write characters that she likes, but this time she wrote someone that she hated, and it was very, very interesting to see her absolutely decimate Margaret Beaufort's reputation. I feel very bad for Margaret Beaufort, because I really like Margaret Beaufort. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, well. I also ordered White Teeth by Zadie Smith. It's It arrived the other day. I haven't started it yet, though, and I'm so, so hyped to begin it because I read On Beauty by Zadie Smith a few months ago. I think it was actually the last book I read before lockdown started, which is brilliant. <laughs> it really sticks in my memory because I'm like, oh, I remember reading that outside and then I couldn't go outside for three months. <laughs> I couldn't even sit down because it was illegal, couldn't even go to the park because that's against the law, which I mean rightly so, it's dangerous, but it was funny. Um, but yeah, I read that and the two books seem in themes kind of similar because they both follow families and family dynamics. And Zadie Smith writes family amazingly and I just, I love a good family dynamic in a book. I love a book 
which is about a big family. Ideally, it goes through generations and you can just see all of these characters and how they interact and it can attack, you know, a bunch of different themes and they can all interlink beautifully. But yeah, so I'm really, really hyped to read that. It should be really, really good. On Beauty was amazing. I love Zadie Smith's prose style. Though I did, I do worry slightly that I won't enjoy it because the other book I've read by Zadie Smith is NW and it's about a, I think it's like it follows maybe four different characters who live in London and it was written in quite an abstract way and I usually like that but I just couldn't get into it. I just didn't really like it at all. It just really missed the mark for me. So I worry that it will again be abstract and it won't fit. But reading the blurb and sort of flipping through the book and looking at it, it seems it seems to be structured similar to how On Beauty was. So that's good. And I also really, really like the cover. Basically, I'm really excited to read it. Fair warning, next episode, it might be a bit shorter than usual because I got a Nintendo Switch Lite yesterday and I have Animal Crossing on it and I have pretty much been playing it non-stop ever since it arrived and I have no self-control and when I get obsessed with something I can't break myself away from it until I just until I completely exhaust all of the enjoyment until it's all ringed out and the game's a husk of what it used to be. That's when I'll come back. <laughs> when I'll come back, I'll still be doing the podcast. I just might have read a bit less than usual, I might have a little bit less to talk about. But maybe maybe that's when I'll talk about Fifty Shades of Grey in more detail. Yeah, I could do that. If I haven't read much, I will do the Fifty Shades of Grey episode because people were interested in that and I have many many opinions about that car crash of a book but hopefully I'm pretty sure I'll have finished Ages for Hawk I should have started White Teeth um I'll probably finish Catherine House I've been reading Catherine House I haven't talked about it on this podcast at all because it I'm not enamored with it it's not great I started it off and it started really really well but it just became kind of boring and the characters aren't that well written and the environment the setting it gets tired after a while because the concept of it is um that they're basically being brainwashed because they're going to this elite college called Catherine House and it's in the woods and you never leave for the whole three years that you're there. You can't even talk to your family, really. But I thought it sounded really, really cool. But it's basically just really repetitive. And it's it just isn't grabbing me. Some people, I think, really liked it. But the general consensus that I could see in reviews is like, it's not the best. It was only recently released, though. I'm not hating it. I think I'll give it three stars. But... Yeah, some of the characters are great, but they're not particularly well developed. They're like 
they have really good potential, but I feel like the book could have just used an extra draft or something. But who knows, maybe the ending will be really good. I can tell it's building up to something. I have maybe 75 pages left to go. Maybe like, yeah, yeah, I think about 75. So I should be finished with that by next week and I'll talk about it. But I, yeah, I can't imagine my review is going to be particularly positive. It's just sad, it seemed great. But oh well. <laughs> the dark academia genre just seems like there'll be these books and they sound really promising. And then they're just not that good. And the fact that The Secret History is like the OG dark academia book and that's absolutely amazing kind of makes it so that you'll always be at least slightly disappointed because nothing is ever going to be as good as The Secret History. I'm saying that in a way that's trying to get authors... I'm trying to manifest spiteful energy from dark academia authors so they can be like, I'll write something really, really good that will show you, like, please, please, I want to read something better than the secret history, because I love reading good books, and who knows, maybe I'll make a Tumblr blog dedicated to that, <laughs> that's a challenge to any writers out there. I think that is a pretty good point to end this episode, me attempting to manifest into existence a book better than the secret history. <laughs> Like, please, I need that in my life. <laughs> because, like, it'd be really, really good. So my challenge to any authors is to write a book better than The Secret History in the space of a week and send it to me and I'll read it and be very, very happy and ascend to Nirvana. So please do that. <laughs> I will definitely make an episode at some point next week. I'll hopefully have finished at least the two books I was talking about. Yeah, I'm going to find some really, really cringy music again. So look forward to that. <laughs> I keep laughing over nothing. I'm just in a good mood this morning. So I've been playing Animal Crossing for so long. But yes, I'm going to find some cool M music. By cool, I mean really cringy so stay tuned till the end <laughs> even though you don't have to but you don't want to stick around for this music it's gonna be bad so yes I will see you I won't see you this is a podcast I will talk to you next week <laughs>